because when the legends get written, I don't want to be remembered for standing on the sidelines. We are the Bookbirds, and my name is Katherine Evenson. My name is Kylie Hagman. And my name is Marissa Medine. And this week we're going to be discussing this uh, book, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. So this book is a fantasy book, and it, it deals with a lot of different um, different themes, different um, a lot of really amazing world building, which I think is very, very cool in this book. But I think um, going back to that quote, standing on the sidelines, the protagonist in this, and in, in a lot of fantasy books, have to make a lot of hard choices of whether they are going to be like right in the middle of the action or if they're going to be standing on the sidelines. So what do you guys think about that? Um, I think... That is definitely, like, a common um, circumstance in fantasy books. And I think that's kind of what makes fantasy books, like, really interesting to me is um, there's so much going on in them all the time and there's so much world building that it's just really cool to see, like, what's going to happen. And it's usually different in different fantasy books. So I think that that's a really interesting part of the genre. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Like, personally, I feel like I'd be more of the one that stands on the sidelines. Unless it's, like, directly related to, like, family or something. Something that I, you know, I needed to protect just based on, like, who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. But in the fantasy realm, I could see where standing on the sidelines would make you look like a coward. Or, like, Mm -hmm. you may be, like, shunned from your village. So, like, I could see wanting to be, like, right in the heart of everything. I love the way that um, the author, Sarah J. Moss, how she's able to, for all of her books, have such a strong, um, usually it's a strong female uh, protagonist, and um, a lot of the times they aren't known for standing on the sidelines. That's the point of how why their story is written, is that they're the ones that go into the action and they're the ones that kind of take charge, and that's something that's really inspiring to me um, when reading this book series and why it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, and I think that... Farah, the main character, is, like, one of my favorite heroines of any book. Like, I just think that she's, like, a really strong female character, and that's something that I kind of look for in my reading. And so I definitely agree that Sarah J. Maas writes just some of the best, like, female characters. It is a it is a romance book, so we all we all are a big fan of romance in this room. Um, and I'm trying we're trying to get Marissa into fantasy. Uh, that's something that Kylie and and myself are really into. But what do you guys think about the differences between um, fantasy romance or just regular romance? For myself, I really like the um, the coupling of like the fantasy world building and the romance. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. So like, there's just you know from someone who reads a lot of regular romance books, there's so many different things that can go into it, whether it's just, like, you know, regular, like, in the now, like, today's day and age romance or, like, history romance. I personally like, you know, more college romance since I'm in college myself. (laughs) That makes it really relatable. uh, Yeah, Yeah. relatability is, like, what I look for a lot in, like, the books that I'm reading. But fantasy romance seems interesting just based on all yeah. of you guys is good uh, recommendations yeah. with the world building. I, I like the escapism that I can do with fantasy romance because, exactly. like, I'm I'm a sucker for romance. I love mm-hmm. love stories. Um, love love. I love love. <laughs> but like with fantasy romance, I love that I could also be a part of like a different world and and I, I like the I like regular romance. We talked about after mm-hmm. um, before and and I like the college scene and everything. But with this, I really like how. I could still get that romance, but I could still kind of escape to a different world. 
That's how I feel, I feel like, too. Yeah, but I feel like that's a good thing, like, even with, like, the history romance pieces. Mm-hmm. Like, Bridgerton is something we want to talk mm-hmm. about yes. in the future. <laughs> but, like, just going back into that time and being, like, yeah. this is how romance yeah. was back in, you know, like, the 1800s. And, yeah. like, how is it now? And, like, the way it's written is so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked, um, like, going off of that romance, we talked with our after podcast, we talked about um, the possibility of there being, like, toxic relationships within different romance series. So do you guys, what do you guys think about how the toxic relationships make a play in this book, especially with Tamlin and Feyre? Um, I feel like for people (laughs) that are fans of this series, it's, like, very widely debated, you know, some people kind of like Tamlin, but a lot of people do not like Tamlin. Um, I'm definitely on the not liking Tamlin train. Same here. <laughs> Catherine is also very much not liking I can't, Tamlin train. Marissa's <laughs> probably heard it all, but I cannot stand Tamlin. I just, I okay, basically the whole first book, I never really liked them together, never really was into Tamlin, like, it wasn't like he was good and then he was bad. Like, I just never really liked him. And so that was kind of, um, that kind of made me think more about, like, the toxic part of the relationship, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I, w- that I was just kind of picking up on that, mm-hmm. and so I never really liked him. Yeah. Yeah, especially me. Like, I haven't read the book all the way yet. Like, I just started it, but I've heard a lot of bad things about the from, character Tamlin. From me, From probably. Catherine, especially, like, we live together, so it's a lot of, hey, this is a bad character, like, I don't like him. But, like, it's it's kind of nice to know ahead of time, like, hey, this character is not going to be, like, a, a great person just because, you know, you don't want to get attached to a character and be like, wow, you're super toxic, unless it's in the case of Hardin Scott. <laughs> we'll make an exception. Hardin, you know, he went through a lot of stuff. I don't know what Tamlin's gone through. But Tamlin like... has not gone through. No, he doesn't, he doesn't go through anything. Well, the thing that, like, I think is kind of nice about the series in general is, like, if you're listening, if you haven't read the rest of the series, it's going to be a little bit of a, a preview into the rest of the series, but she... Um, there are other love interests in the series, and uh, the other love interest that comes up later is such a stark difference from Tamlin, which is really nice, because I like how it shows, um, like, the difference between the toxic relationship that Feyre had with Tamlin and the healthy and loving relationship that comes in later in the book series. Yeah. So, just going off that, like, especially talking about, like, publishing or, like, writing in general... Like, writing between the toxic relationships or the healthy relationships, like, do you think that's an important thing to have if, like, a character, you're building this character and you want, like, her story to end up in a good way, having her start in a toxic relationship or even vice versa, like, starting in a healthy relationship, breaking up and then going into a toxic or healthy relationship, like, what would you guys say is the importance of that? I I think that it is good... (sighs) I think it's good to show both types of relationships and definitely, like, how we discussed with After, like, even though a lot of people like Harden, you know, I like Harden, but he is pretty toxic sometimes, Mm -hmm. and so I think it's good to show that, like, what are the good parts of a relationship and what, you know, you need to be cognizant of what is bad, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it is a book, like you need to know what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, I think, well, I think something that's great about, like, that whole idea and also this 
story and this book in general is like with we all we all kind of want to be writers ourselves mm-hmm. one day and mm-hmm. and so even just thinking in the future if I want to write uh, I would want to write romance into whatever I'm writing I would love to write fantasy romance mm-hmm. but even just thinking about that I have kind of got picked a lot of inspiration out of um, her writing in that like oh well I really like how she started with that toxic relationship but was able to show like how how much of a healthier relationship was and and how much the main character Feyre has grown within herself to know her own self-worth and and love herself before she allows anybody else to love her. I feel like it's way. like a Danny Tanner moment like getting that good life lesson and like growing as an individual yeah. mm-hmm. especially before you can love someone else like making sure like you love yourself and you grow. Yeah, yeah definitely. So I think that's I think that's something that a lot, there are a lot of hidden messages within this this story and uh, that I think really affect the reader, which I think is something that's really great about it. Which yeah. makes it a great book. Mm-hmm. Makes it a great book, so <laughs> so go get a copy at the library or do what I did and buy them all and <laughs> use your money on that. But, um, so they have this, this plot throughout the story of um, how Tamlin, they have different courts, different um, like regions that they all live in. And Tamlin's court, the spring court, they're all required to wear masks. Um, and much like we all are right yeah, now with COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah, throw, yeah, flash forward to 2020, <laughs> 2021, where we have to do the same thing. Um, how do you think that the, the use of like how they have to have their masks covering the top half of their face as opposed to us and it kind of shields them from, it shields Tamlin from Farah and the rest of the court from Farah where she can't really get a good read on them. How do you think that affects the story? I think that it kind of makes you think more about the characters' like personalities and their their personality traits, you know, instead of focusing on their like what they look like and like the Fae in the series are known for being like very attractive, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so like the fact that their faces have to be covered up is kind of interesting and makes it more like you can kind of see more about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, when I looked up a little bit about this book, because in order to talk about it, I wanted to have a little base knowledge, (laughs) but it said, like, Beauty and the Beast, like, it's like a Mm -hmm. retelling, which I thought was very interesting as a fan of the actual Disney movie myself, Mm -hmm. but I thought it was interesting to hear about the masks and how they affect the story just because we are going through it ourselves, and it's very hard to tell sometimes how a person's feeling if part of their face is covered. Mm -hmm. But in this case, if their mouth is showing, like, you can see a lot with their facial expressions, but, you know, there's a lot to hide behind those masks. I think it would be a very interesting read for um, people who enjoy um, fantasy, romance, or anything like that, for them to read in, like, with the world that we have now with masks. Um, Even just like trying to get to know people or trying to even forming like relationships or anything like that and seeing how they did it in a world that has nothing like a pandemic going on but they have their own reasons for wearing the mask so seeing the differences with that so something that i saw when looking up this book which was very interesting was the controversy of what age range should be allowed to read Mm. this (laughs) is it ya or is it adult um personally i've read a lot of reviews that are angry that it's in the YA category just yeah. because of the romance or like the violence. I heard I like read something that it was quoting it about how different it is to the Hunger Games and like okay. how it's more gruesome than the Hunger Games, like while as the Hunger Games uh, has a lot of violence. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. That's what I, the, that's what it says. I know what it's I, I know like, what it whoa. says, but I wouldn't go that far. I don't know. 
Uh, what do you think, Kylie? I kind of think it should... I don't necessarily think it should be adult for, like, violence or things like that, but mm-hmm. for, like, the romantic scenarios. I want to say some, there are more um, scenes that would be better suited for adult readers. Yeah. Um, not yeah, necessarily... If, like, young age, like, young adults, like, YA, that's, like, a lot of, like, I feel like college kids still read that, so I, yeah. it's, like, a hard I category <laughs> yeah. to put YA in. Yeah. That's true. And I kind of think, I kind of support, like... Maybe put like a warning on the book, like that this is what's in it. Mm-hmm. So like, kid, like parents know of younger kids, like kind of like what's how in they it. do in movies. Yeah, yeah, but like if a kid wants to read that, then you well, know, and if the parents fine with it. And like for myself, like I I started reading like I started reading fan fiction at a very early age. Mm-hmm. I started reading like romance with or even like after. any kind of books after yeah. like <laughs> any kind of books with like more mature plots at a very early. I wouldn't say like very early, but I would say like probably ten or ten or. 11, yeah, 12 years yeah, old, yeah. and I turned. I feel like I turned out just fine, but, <laughs> but like that's Maybe beside the point. more romantic at heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more of a romantic at heart. I feel like I don't know. I I kind of understand the um, wanting to shield like younger readers from certain things, but I also feel like it's nice to get exposure yeah. to well, that kind of stuff. But in today's media, that's what's so difficult. Like they want to censor books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's TV shows that have like hidden like innuendos. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not like these kids aren't watching anything yeah. that they like, shouldn't the be watching in TV. A anyway. lot of younger kids watch it, and there's a lot of like you know adult content. I've seen kids watching Shameless, and mm-hmm. and that yeah, Shameless is, is definitely off the wall with that. <laughs> yeah. That, I think, YA is like a reasonable maybe mm-hmm. like because it is young adult yeah so like, I feel yeah. like that would be like I would a say category yeah I think her other book series the Throne of Glass series from I'm I'm in the middle of that series right now and I think that that one would be for myself I would think that that one's more considered adult in the later books mm-hmm. which is interesting because I'm pretty sure I looked it up the other day and I'm pretty sure she started writing it when she was like 16 years old and then she got seriously writing it and, and publishing it when she like through college and everything so um but I think that like for that one like that could go either way but it's just really kind of depending on your preference and and how you grew up and everything like that all right so if you guys have um, seen the covers for um, the the books, what do you guys think about um, like the implications of the book covers and what that kind of has to do with the story? And there are different different book covers, and we'll kind of describe them um, a little bit as well. Um, well, something I thought was interesting is that the original cover for A Court of Thorns and Roses has, like, Feyre on the cover. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see, like, her dress and, like, you know, t- tattoos, whatever she's mm-hmm. got. And so, um, that was the original cover, and I believe that that, I'm I'm not sure about this, but the, either that or the new covers are in, like, the young adult section, and then the other covers are in the adult section. So, mm-hmm. like, that that's kind of how they tried to separate it then, because I think it originally started out in YA with the original cover, and then when they made the new covers, they put it in adult. Yeah, and for, for the, the listeners out there, well, again, I would suggest going to look up the covers, mm-hmm. but the other, the other covers that she's talking about just have, like, de- depictions of the animals that the fantasy characters kind of shift into which if you read the books you'll understand a little bit more but they kind of have these like um like other other form that they can shift into um and so that's what the other cover kind of looks like yeah i have that one with the wolf on the front Mm -hmm. i think that one's nice it it was definitely like i 
caught my eye because of the red color mm-hmm. of the yeah. book, and it was, like, kind of matte. And then, like, the bright yellowish yeah. words. I thought that was yeah pretty eye-catching. Well, I think it was interesting to kind of bring that up just because, like, as publishing majors, we talk sometimes. Um, we're working on, like, trying to publish our own, like, small chapbook in our publishing class. And we were talking a little bit about graphic design and, and the implications that that has on publishing mm-hmm. the books. So what do you guys think about how the graphic design of these books would affect the readers at all? Um... I think that the book design is a huge part for me when I'm in a bookstore looking at books. You know, Mm -hmm. if I don't go in with a list of what exactly I want to buy and I'm just browsing, when I'm looking at the covers, that's kind of what draws me in. Like, oh, I want to read the back of that to see Mm -hmm. what that's about. Or, you know, like, if it's in a really cool cover, I might just get it because I like the cover so much. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And so I think, you know, uh, the saying is don't judge a book by its cover and... I, like, think the cover is, like, super important. I agree. I think the cover is something that can make or break the book. Just because if it has, like, a bad cover, you may be turned off by Mm -hmm. it just because of the cover. Yeah. It's like, while the saying is don't judge a book by its cover, it's very hard to, like, want to pick up a book and be like, oh, what's this about if it's not an appealing cover to the audience? And that's something that we're working on, like, when we're producing these chat books. Like, what's a good cover for this story? Like, I really do like the whole cover ideas and based on it. Like, even the tie-ins from, like, movies or TV shows with the new covers of the books, I think that's important. Mm -hmm. There are, um, so there's a couple of, there are a couple of different, like, tropes that are popular in this, um, in this series. And I think, um, I think that one of the main ones is enemies to lovers, which is, by far, my favorite trope. <laughs> so what do you guys think about the enemies to lovers trope? Because I talked to my friend about it before, and she was like, oh, it's so toxic, and, and that's a horrible whatever. But what do you guys think? I love enemies I to love lovers. Too. <laughs> I think it's such a, like, you know, it's, it's cliche now because there's mm-hmm. so many of them. Yeah. But each time I pick up a book and it's got enemies to lovers in it, I'm either buying it, like purchasing it on Kindle, or just reading it in general. Yeah, I think, yeah, I I think that, well, personally, I, I think that it really ties everything together really well, and I think yeah. that it's a really interesting way to have romance, um, and I, I get bored with it if it's just like, oh, boy sees girl, boy falls in love with girl, and then like they're- the classic. Classic, happily ever after. Mm-hmm. I get bored with that, yeah. and so I really like the enemies to lovers, and, and that is something that is in play throughout the rest of the books as well, which I am here for. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah, so I think that was an important trope in all books, especially with enemies to lovers and after and now, like this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, I'm going to end it today with a little quote from A Court of Thorns and Roses. We need hope or else we cannot endure. And um, next week on our Book Birds podcast, we're going to be discussing um, our summer reads that we read this past summer, some of our favorite books. So um, come back next week, and we're the Book Birds. See you then. See you then. See you then.